It takes more than great code to be a great engineer. This is episode 73 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Hey, coming up on September 18th, Dave, or sorry, (laughs) (laughs) Dave, that's me, Jameson and I will be at the Utah JS Conference in Salt Lake City. On Monday, September 18th, come and join us. Uh, I will actually be emceeing the conference, and Jameson will be heckling me from the audience. I bought some of those glasses with the googly eyes, and I'm going to try and make Dave laugh. (laughs) You may have noticed it's actually pretty easy to make me laugh. (laughs) Yeah, it's not that hard. I probably wouldn't need those. I would just show up and, I don't know, stare at you, and you'd laugh. (laughs) So go hit the website, conf.utahjs.com, and get some tickets and come join us. We'd love to see you. Yeah, come say hi. I didn't think of anything to say after this. I was too caught up in saying the right <laughs> words at the beginning. <laughs> Soft Skills Engineering is a podcast where we answer non-technical questions about technical fields like software development. It turns out there's a lot of that. There, yeah, way Honestly, way more than I ever expected. <laughs> questions or, or just soft, non-technical things in general? Just questions, like the things people ask. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a soft skill. Oh, oh, that is too. And then, you know, 200 questions later, I'm like, oh, my gosh. They're everywhere. I think we've said this before, but when we started the show, I really thought after three or four weeks, we would run out of things to talk about. <laughs> like we would solve the problem? <laughs> no, well, I just didn't I, I didn't have a sense for the size of the problem. Uh-huh. But you did. You were like, no, no. Trust me, Dave. Pat, You kind of patted me on the shoulder. easy for you. <laughs> You're right. what problem this is the this is i am the living in naturally (laughs) and everything works out (laughs) i am the embodiment of the dunning kruger effect when it comes to soft skills (laughs) (laughs) and with those credentials firmly implanted in the minds of our listeners let's Mm -hmm. get to our first question yeah i'll read it all right thank you okay i have titled this question rampant rewriter okay Uh, This comes from a listener named Abigail. Hey guys, I am a new software engineer at a systems integration company that contracts engineers to customers for projects. I am currently on a joint project that includes an experienced engineer from another company who acts as the architect for the web-based product we are developing. Recently, I've noticed that he has been going back and rewriting almost every line of code that I commit under the guise of, quote, code cleanup. Whenever I ask if there is a specific thing I can do to improve, he shrugs off my question, and I am beginning to feel like I am not contributing anything to the project. I thought maybe this was happening because I am new to software, but I found out that he does this to other team members from my company as well, someone who is much more experienced than me. Should I be frustrated, or is it common practice to rewrite someone else's code? Oh, ouch. Is there a way to confront him about this while still respecting the authority as the architect? Hmm. Yeah, I'll often just go delete a certain member's code from a project and say I'm cleaning it up. <laughs> it's definitely cleaner. <laughs> this was stinky code, and I removed it, and now it's clean. Time to I take out the trash. Code. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I love I love code cleanup as an excuse for all kinds of just like oh, rampant yeah. bad behavior. <laughs> Tabs to spaces, code cleanup. <laughs> it's clean now. Yeah, it's this fake word that yeah. sounds objective, but really means like. I like it better. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, Abigail says that she's new to software. And I could see this being like a weird experience when you don't have a lot of context. Yeah, maybe you're like, where, this, this is normal. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, someone just goes and removes your work all the time. That's fine. Mm -hmm. I guess that's how it works. That's iterative, right? (laughs) I write it. (laughs) Someone else rewrites it. (laughs) Quote, cleans it up. Have you ever seen a situation like this? Uh, I, I have not seen a situation where you have two companies, separate companies, sharing a code base and delivering for a, a shared customer. That's, that's, in my opinion, nuts. I don't know. I feel like that would happen with, with multiple contractors or, or contractors working at a company or something. That doesn't seem that weird. <sighs> working for like, the same company. Yeah, sure. Contractors working for the same company. Yeah, like staff augmentation, somebody hires some contractors to work with a team on a project. Okay. Okay. So you you I'm going to guess this is government, a government contract. Uh cuz that's the only time I've seen the term systems integration company. But huh. so like maybe the government or the customer hired two different contractors to come work on some shared project. But they're they're effectively peers, but they don't report to the same people. They don't get their paychecks from the same company. Yeah. Right? Oh, that sounds really hard. <laughs> Why does it sound so hard? Well, you don't have shared management structure. So, I mean, the buck doesn't stop with anyone. Who do you turn to with issues like this? Uh, like, no, okay. I would normally say go to your manager and Yeah, and that's, ask. that's like the Dave Smith advice. Talk to your <laughs> manager about it. Right. But in this case, like, what am I going to do? Go to the other guy's manager? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be like you sh- don't work here yeah uh <laughs> why doesn't my badge get up. me in the building here I, I need to talk to someone yeah i wasn't even talking about the broader structure of the project more just the specific incident of someone going oh, through and oh. rewriting all your code sorry i um, answered the wrong question no that was the right question that's a good question to answer but you're saying that 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 affects your actions basically or that affects oh, yeah. what you can do to solve this problem I, th- I think so. I think it limits your cap- your your ability to at least complain about the problem. I mean, who are you going to go talk to? I don't think yeah. it's clear in this case. The other developer from your company who's <laughs> experiencing the same thing, I guess. <laughs> See, that that's what you do. You form a support group for all the people who have had their code like spuriously rewritten by this guy, and you have a weekly meeting where you just vent out the frustration and share common experiences, and you will bond. It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah, at least it's not only you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I I've rewritten code before, but it's never been I've never been like following a developer. It, it feels like there's a little toddler running around with snacks, and she just like leaves a mess, and someone's following with a vacuum. I've never like tracked <laughs> someone and been like, this person cannot be trusted to do good work, so I'm going to fix everything they break. Yeah. I'll I'll just as I'm working on a feature, I will write code and and rewrite code that touches the thing that i'm working on Mm -hmm. there is a lot of yourself tied up in your code i think and i i've definitely felt pangs of of uh what would it be ego i don't know yeah some something related to ego Mm -hmm. where when someone works in a code base that i wrote a large portion of and then it looks different when they're done i'm like what what was wrong with the stuff I did? Why yeah. wasn't that good enough? Like, so I think that's that's really common. You'll hear a lot about code ownership and you can read a lot about it. And there are different philosophies on whether it's good or bad to, to have one person own a code base or portion of a code base. But everyone talks about how it feels weird when you feel like someone is changing the stuff you made. Have you ever rewritten some code 
uh, under the guise, not okay, not under the guise, but to clean it up because in your eyes it was objectively bad. And then later you looked it up and found out it was your code. <laughs> I think I've never done that without knowing it was my code. <laughs> okay, uh-huh. eyes wide open. <laughs> yeah, like oh yeah, I wrote this bad thing. Well, I've done that no, to I'm, myself. <laughs> I'm well aware of the bad stuff I've done, where you didn't realize it was you. Yeah, like I think I. I'm, I have this foggy memory of doing that once um, where I was just like, God, what? Who? And then it was me. <laughs> and then I rewrote it. You use the git congratulate command. That's right. Git praise. <laughs> git praise. Yeah. So I, I think since there isn't that shared management structure Dave talked about, a lot of what you do is uh, is develop your own patience. <laughs> um it's it's definitely worth bringing up to this person but if if they're rewriting your code and you ask for feedback and they're like i don't know no it's fine and then they still do it um they're probably not the best mentor <laughs> uh yeah yeah like what one reason why someone would do this is because they think it could be done better a different way but if they're not willing to explain that way to you then i don't know that you can force someone into like giving you the truth tie them to a chair put a bright hot light in their face yeah exactly give me the answer yeah that's that's unlikely to work well i guess the best mentoring comes under duress (laughs) threat of hot bright lights (laughs) um which will dry out your eyeballs which you need to be a developer yep actually you don't even know they're blind developers yep so I, i have an idea for kind of a nuclear option Okay. So you could go to the customer in this case, because ultimately both of these two contracting companies will ultimately report to the same customer in the sense that they get their revenue from the customer Mm -hmm. and ask the customer if they're okay with having one of the vendors rewrite the code of the other vendor because they're probably being paid by the hour and see see how they react to that. (laughs) And, And like I said, this is kind of a nuclear option, but it would certainly get a conversation started. That feels like tattling to me i don't know why that just feels really weird yeah like the engineer should be able to work it out themselves yeah yeah like you're trying to go to the parent except the parent isn't a parent who created you it's like this company that is paying money to get stuff done yeah, you, I, I don't know i, I just might, can't see that working out well you might like, end up souring the relationship for both of you and yeah exactly maybe they're them. like well why are we paying this person who needs their code rewritten and then yeah bingo i, I feel like that would backfire yeah, probably. Most <laughs> nuclear options have pretty bad outcomes. Yeah, I guess <laughs> nuclear isn't is a great word. <laughs> so you you ask specifically, should I be frustrated or is it a common practice to rewrite someone else's code? Um, I think it's fair to be frustrated. Me too. I think it also happens a lot. But I think especially when you're newer to software, um, you need to be learning stuff. And if there is legitimately something like real bad that your code is doing, this person, I mean, you should know that. Maybe can you ask the other developer on your team for feedback on the code Hmm. that is being rewritten? Interesting. Because that might at least help you get a sense of whether it's, um, this is really, really horrible for these reasons and these are things you need to learn or is it just like, they like this specific pattern that you're not mm-hmm. using that mm-hmm. is less um, 
less crucial to the quality of the code and more about making the architect feel good. Yeah. Is it a preference or is this really a bad practice? Yeah. If if the architect isn't going to give you that info, maybe your coworker can. And then that'll at least help you feel better about the situation. One of the reasons that I could imagine this architect uh, is shrugging off the questions that are being asked about the quality of the code is that maybe he feels like the answer is too big to give in uh, the amount of time allotted. So maybe you could go to this architect with a specific change and say, can you tell me why this particular change needed to be rewritten? What did you see that was making it bad? Um, And uh, maybe with a reduced scope of question, you might get some specific answers. Mm Mm-hmm. Dave, you also brought up before we started recording if uh, there's some kind of code review process in place. Yeah, yeah, I, I detect that there is not. <laughs> yeah, because if you just put code in and then it silently changes to other code, <laughs> that means that no one, pro- probably the architect didn't look at it and say like, this is good. And then silent. Uh, that would be even worse if they're yeah. like, yeah, it's yeah. fine. And then they like passive aggressively go in and rewrite it afterwards. <laughs> Ship it. I'll rewrite it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. That. So I detect there is no code review process here. And if there was, then that would give this architect a vehicle for communicating feedback on the quality of the code before it gets committed and pushed. So that, to me, might actually be the root, the crux of this problem here, is that you don't have a process for assessing quality of code before it gets committed. Sure. And... Uh, I, I feel like that's a thing you could try and explore. I mean, it might be hard to make work with all these different companies and people working together, but you you can already commit the code somehow. <laughs> so hopefully yeah. you're doing it with a system that allows you to put some kind of review on top of it. Yeah. You could just do what the Git, or sorry, what the Linux kernel does and like mail diffs to each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how they make that work is just beyond me. But anyway, that's because Linus is immortal. <laughs> benevolent dictator. Anyway, um, I I think that he's is like the least right. benevolent benevolent dictator. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Uh, he's like, okay. look, I use the term benevolent in quotes. Okay, guys, <laughs> benevolent means I don't kill people that disagree with me. I just kill their feelings. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> so true. So okay. I think a code review process is essential in this situation because here you have two different companies, different reporting hierarchies, different like KPIs, different cultures. You need a review process to keep them on the same page technically. I think it's essential. I think that it will make huge improvements to your company's ability to deliver this product. And if the architect is worried about um, maintaining the integrity of their designs or making sure things get done the way that they want them to, you could sell that to them. You could sell code review to them as a way to do that. Because if there isn't code review right now, they're probably just like going in and checking up, and that's kind of a waste of time. Yep. Um, This way they don't have to check up. They can be proactive about it and help guide the direction of the project instead of react Mm -hmm. to what they see as the wrong direction. I I have uh, tendencies like this architect, um, I do have to check myself. One of my weaknesses is that I see code and I want to change it. And mm-hmm. code review processes have helped me to a um, deal with that in a in at the right time, which is before code gets delivered. And mm-hmm. b because your comments tend to be shareable to the whole team, it has made me really carefully consider what I spend time 
uh, analyzing in a code review. And I, I do not spend time on trivialities like indentation levels and, and stuff like that. We have, we have computers to do that crap. Um, instead, I focus on architecture and overall design and interfaces. You know, the, the things that really make your software have, in my opinion, better quality attributes. So I'm telling you, I would push hard for a code review process in this case. And I know we're assuming it doesn't exist. I think it's a pretty safe assumption here, but I would, I would really push for it. I want to see a code review process that focuses on rhyme and meter <laughs> and rhythm and the aesthetic beauty of the the characters that you choose. An iambic pentameter pull request? Yeah, exactly. Each function must be a haiku. Ooh. <laughs> Three lines. <laughs> oh, that, man. Now I want to do that. Yeah, that is not bad. Does the return? Oh, are you saying count? it's actually good because it means it should be short? I I think maybe you know it might <laughs> it might it might be good. I want to. Okay, here's what I want to do. I want to write a transpiler that will take your code and transpile it into haiku functions. It just inserts it like, arbitrary line breaks. Yeah, it just like re it like renames your variables so they're the right number of syllables. And oh man. Okay, I love it. This will be my great labor in computer science. Then you can make your money and retire off that. Then, yeah, I'll make that sweet, sweet poetry money. <laughs> Those poets have all the money. Yeah, they do. Great. Well, did we answer this question? Yeah, I think so. Sounds like a tough Good situation. Mm-hmm. It's, it is tricky. Um, it's both good and bad that you're experiencing this at the beginning of your career mm-hmm. because uh, it'll get better afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Soon you'll be the one rewriting the newbies code. Oh no, I'm just saying it's it's yeah, there's good things about experiencing tricky situations early on because they teach you a lot, but also you have fewer tools to deal with them. Yeah, that's true. But it All sounds right. like you're approaching it conscientiously, which is good. Yeah, it's great. Good job. All right. Should I read uh, the next one? Yes, you shall. Okay, this is from a listener named Jay, the letter J. Um escaped from Sesame Street. As opposed to How the do number you deal- J. Just, just want to that? clarify. It's the letter J, not the number J. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you turn it enough, it could kind of look like a like weird a, seven. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, how do you deal with coworkers who elaborate on unimportant issues? Often in conversations with other employees, they will spend a great deal of time reciting the basic established facts before they get to a point. This can happen when I ask a yes, no question or when they are speaking in meetings. I don't want to be rude, so if it's simply the way they communicate, that's great. However, sometimes it feels like they believe I need every detail put out in front of me, and it's getting old. Is this what mansplaining is? Thanks, and love the show. Also, bring back the guitar intros. Oh, I forgot about those. Yeah, I touched my guitar yesterday for the first time in a long time, Um, and my daughter had, like, twisted all the pegs for fun. (laughs) (laughs) So I just, like, strummed it and wanted to die <laughs> was it it would have been amazing if it was perfectly in tune and yeah well, wow she opened g how did she know how to tune it that way like a toddler prodigy <laughs> she's a slide guitar fan weird <laughs> no she did not tune it to open g she tuned it to like satan's chord <laughs> <laughs> all right jay hmm you've got a you've got a coworker who over explains I like the contrast between the abundance of detail that they're experiencing and their short 
to the point name. Yeah. <laughs> no extra detail there. <laughs> Not even、J. extra letters. Like... Yeah. Listen, getting to the point. The letter you care about in my name is J. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to waste you your、need. time with any other context <laughs> or details. <laughs> um, hmm. Hmm. Well, I would say, in support of this over explaining engineer, that in the immortal words of Treebeard, if something is worth saying, it's worth taking a long time to say it. <laughs> Are you suggesting that they're doing this deliberately as part of a life philosophy to tell people to slow down? <laughs> yeah. Listen, you're also caught up in your smartphones and your Insta chats. <laughs> Just relax and listen to me read the slides for the next five minutes so that you can see the last slide. In the beginning, it says, What should we do? In the beginning, there were AND gates. <laughs> <laughs> This is a good place to start. <laughs> oh, man. Let's start from the ground up. There was a guy named Sisyphus. <laughs> okay.、Um, I'm actually、hmm. feeling a little adversarial on this、um, because I appreciate the craft of explaining well. And when someone sits down with me and lays out context and background, even if I already know the context and they do a great job of laying out the facts, I just sit there and I appreciate it like good art.、Hmm. I don't know. Maybe, you're, maybe other people are different. That's really interesting. It's like when you, see, when you eat a good sandwich and you, you could make a good sandwich already, but you're like, this is still a good sandwich. Yeah, I like, appreciate it. This, the person who made the sandwich did a great job. <laughs> and I've had a grilled cheese sandwich before, but this one was done well. And I appreciate it. I feel、that. like this would be more like you already, you just ate a sandwich. And then they're taking a long time to <laughs>、okay. carefully craft you a sandwich. And you're like, but、you're、I'm not hungry.、Full. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably a better analogy. You're like, I can appreciate that you put the bun on perfectly, but I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> you know how they do that art in coffee? I don't drink coffee, so I, there's probably a word for it that I sound like an idiot for not knowing. But I, I think I know what you're like talking about. Like latte art or whatever.、Mm -hmm. It's like that, but with the. The way that the butter and the crisping happens on the piece of bread in the grilled cheese.、Mm -hmm. They'll like draw the Eiffel Tower on your grilled cheese. <laughs> right, right. By spreading the butter correctly.、Mm -hmm. Is that a. Th I want that to be a thing now. <laughs> I'll、Eiffel、check Tower, after the show. Buttered toast. <laughs> yeah, artisanal art toast. Yeah, that's got to be a thing. <laughs> Stupid、okay. millennials. We're ruining everything. Um. So you're、okay. saying that this, this doesn't bother you because you appreciate it, even if you already know the thing? Usually. I mean, sometimes I get. What if it's not a good explanation, though? You're saying you appreciate <laughs> skill、yes. in explaining things. What if, what if there is no skill? What if someone hands you a crappily made sandwich where the bread and toppings are all over the place? Yeah. And you're still, not, <laughs> you're still not hungry. <laughs> it's a deconstructed sandwich, which millennials、yeah. invented. I don't even know what that is. Is that a thing? Yeah, it's you take food and you pull it apart into its ingredients and then you serve those ingredients. And do the consumers recombine the ingredients?、Uh, you can if you want. You can just like eat them separately too. Oh, okay. Okay. It's well, very fancy、yeah. and kind of dumb. Okay.、Um, <laughs> you, you are a millennial, right? 
I am, yeah. Okay. I'm firmly in that camp. Just so you know, <laughs> no one has to call yeah. in and be mad. <laughs> Jameson is a millennial. So, yeah, what if it's not great? Well, I mean, of course, then I'm going to be pissed off. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> you're crapping on the art, right? I mean, it's like... Yeah, yeah, you're destroying the art that Dave loves. The art of explaining. Huh. So what should they do? You, so so you're saying um, you suspect that sometimes these explanations are good and this person is being impatient. Is that what you're saying? It's a, it's a possibility. And let me tell you, because I have sat in meetings where someone did not take the time to carefully explain the background and context and they launch into the details and everyone in the room, or not everyone, I mean, there's obviously some people who are, are, are already plugged in, but some people are going to be just totally lost and unable to contribute to the discussion and by taking the time to reiterate all the facts even if you're restating things that people already know you're a making sure that everyone is up to speed and b even for the people who aren't uh, who are already up to speed you're framing the conversation in the right context for them so for example i already know that you know our software has some certain characteristic that needs to be changed but when you reiterate all that before the meeting, I can scope my thoughts to understand that we're talking about that and not something else. So maybe that, I mean, that can be really, really helpful. Yeah. I think this tendency could be more useful for, for people that talk to lots of different groups like product managers or business people oh, or yeah. Yeah. I don't know, anyone that just inter. Oh, I don't want to say that word. Anyone that talks to a lot of different people. <laughs> I almost said interfaces. Whoa, what's happening to me, Dave? Oh, no. Your transition to the business side is complete. No, I want to go back. <laughs> Anyways, if so so they might just have this, this reflex developed where they need mm -hmm. to explain the context to people. Yeah. And so they, they start conversations by doing that. Maybe. Now, let, let, I want to zero in on one thing he said, which I, I totally agree with. When I ask someone a yes-no question and they launch into like a multi-minute monologue, mm -hmm. that, oh man, that really bugs me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does it bug you, Dave? Well, let me go back to the beginning and explain. <laughs> <laughs> let me lay out all the it, facts. <laughs> I, th I think you got to say yes or no and then, or I don't know. And then if you want to, you can give your explanation. That's just, that's <laughs> human kindness. <laughs> exactly. Like, so that I can leave in the middle of your explanation if I want yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, got to go. <laughs> have you ever just talked to someone that has a pet topic and they use any conversation <laughs> as a way to segue it onto their pet topic? Yes. Um. Yeah, that. I feel like this could be abused in those hands. <laughs> well, I see you asked a question about code reviews, um, and I'll take this opportunity to talk about my favorite thing, which is Haskell, and how Haskell would eliminate the need for code reviews. And uh, to do that, I'll explain the concept of purity to you. And then they just like pull a whiteboard out. I just saw Aladdin again recently, and I remember there's this part where the genie just like, pulls a whiteboard out of thin yep. air and writes stuff on it. And I imagine this is what 
um, Haskell enthusiasts have. Oh my goodness! Available to them. I love how you went, you, ascend, you went straight to functional programming. Like, <laughs> I love functional programming, and I do it, and I love it to make fun of it because it's goofy, man. But you went straight to the. I mean, for over-explaining, you went straight to functional programming <laughs> because the fact is, you can't talk about anything in functional programming without like a one-hour monologue beforehand. Yeah, that's sure. so true. Oh man, this ex- this describes my experience in lots of IRC channels <laughs> asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> but in that case it's more like i don't know the details i i can't understand them and they give me the same explanations i can't understand before they give me an answer i can't understand um <laughs> super helpful <laughs> this has been jameson's functional programming soapbox that he'll get off of now uh you also say that it happens in meetings and i think meetings make people stupid <laughs> they <laughs> they they perform in weird ways i mean that in the like performance yeah yeah the, they, the they theatrical do performative sense. behavior yeah there are other people around so suddenly they they think they need to like act in a certain way which mm-hmm. sometimes involves looking smart by explaining stuff I don't know how you fix that culture without calling people out on BS in a nice way. <laughs> I don't know because some, like the meeting context to me is the most valuable place to make sure that you explain everything thoroughly before diving into the yeah, discussion. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to call, I, I'm going to say that in meetings, it's okay for people to err on the side of over explaining. I really do. Hmm. Okay. I think it'll save time in, in aggregate. Instead of having people be like, now what are we talking about again? Because no one wants to be that person, right? Yeah, no one will ever say that. <laughs> Raise your yeah. hand and say, I have no idea what you're talking about. They'll just nod in agreement. Yep. Yeah, great idea. Yeah, mm-hmm, I agree. But the, but the yes, no thing. So here's what I do. I, I've gone to people with yes, no questions. And, and I'll actually say to them, this was a yes, no question. <laughs> and um that's actually a little rude so um it's better you can tell by the question mark (laughs) at the end of the sentence so that's a little rude to to just jump down and say yes no and i remember one time not not too long ago actually i asked a question the person started going on on a bit of a monologue and after a couple of minutes i stopped them and said now I i was just asking yes or no on this and they said yeah i'm getting to that you need to have this background for me to under- to be able to explain the answer and i was like oh okay like i thought maybe they had misunderstood my question mm-hmm. because they were taking a long time to get to yes or no um and i was wrong maybe, and it was embarrassing maybe they were just messing with you like how long can i talk <laughs> without giving an answer before dave will go away <laughs> it was like a pool People are betting. Yeah. They got a stopwatch. Okay. Oh, he interrupted once. All right. But he, he's still there. He's still person. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. What are the odds he's going to interrupt twice? <laughs> I did notice like three or four people with their heads popping over the neighboring cubicles. <laughs> Maybe that was... <laughs> you saw some cash exchange <laughs> <Yeah>. hands. <laughs> that explains so much. I think... I mean... You might try and shortcut this by explaining what you already know. Um, and, but, and like hopefully before, you can, beforehand, right? Before asking, yeah, the yeah. Say, I'm asking this question. Here's what I got. Yes. Give me the answer. Oh, that is such a good idea, Jameson. And if they still do it, uh, I, I mean, you might, you might have to bring this up to them directly and say, like, I feel like I understand this already. And it might be, did you already talk about this? How you, you actually don't understand it? No. Yeah. <laughs> I, we haven't talked about that. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what Dave was talking about before the show too, that sometimes you think you understand it and you actually don't. 
Yes. In fact, maybe there's a flaw in your very question. You know? Like, hey, do you like to, you know, do you like to put the wings on your car in the front or the back? You know? <laughs> it's it's like, a simple question. A simple yes or no question. <laughs> and you're like, well, now, uh, hold on. <laughs> I need to explain something to you. Cars don't have wings. <laughs> Cars are for driving. I don't care about your stupid history lessons. <laughs> Just get to the yes or no. Give me that facts. <laughs> <laughs> and I have had that happen where people come to me with the yes no question, and I can sense from the way they ask the question that they're missing some important context that needs to be clarified. Um, yeah. and, and in that, in those cases, I think it's polite to explain that uh, you don't want to say your question is nonsense. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> I, which I have had someone say to me before, which actually hurt my feelings. But oh, no. instead, they you said can, those words. He said, literally, your question is nonsensical. Huh. By the way, it was a get question. So, and I still, okay. it still burns. That was five years ago. It all ago. fits. It still burns. Anyway, it's all fitting together. I think when, when you go to someone with a question like that, uh, it, I love what you said, Jameson. State the stuff you know first, and maybe they'll correct you before you even get to the point of asking the question. Mm hmm. So you, you like out context them. <laughs> I'm going to monologue you. give you context, yeah. <laughs> Before you, you can monologue def- me. <laughs> you should give them shorter context first. <laughs> Fight fire with fire. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Or you just get... Let's see. I mean, Ninja Vanish is an, a valid solution too, I think. <laughs> Poof. Give them two minutes carry smoke bombs <laughs> if they're still going <laughs> you disappear uh, that's such a good reappear. idea um when you reappear they say and that's why my answer is <laughs> yes yeah, yeah, they, they reappear <laughs> where you appear again <laughs> they're like <laughs> i wasn't done <laughs> <laughs> they also have smoke bombs <laughs> oh man they're more powerful than i thought <laughs> We did an episode a few weeks back on an- asking good questions, right? Uh, yeah, we've we've talked about it a few times. I think yeah. asking good questions can really help to to alleviate this, like you're saying. And then, uh, you know, I would I would take stock of yourself, and and maybe maybe these these things aren't as basic as as you think, and maybe other people in the room actually do benefit from the what you perceive as over explaining. Mm-hmm. You know? While we've been talking about this, I've just been thinking how much work this all sounds, right? You have to you have to summarize all the stuff you know and you have to think mm-hmm. about what this person knows and you have to mm-hmm. navigate all the social context around are they in a meeting, are they showing off for other people or Ugh. what what meeting did they just come out of? Maybe they were in a meeting with people that didn't know and and it's just like a lot of work. It really <laughs> is communication. It's it's a lot of work, but I think that work goes away when you find people that you get along with really well and communicate with well. Mm-hmm. So I I think if you're scared by how much work this sounds, as I have been, as we talk about all the stuff you <laughs> could try, uh, I think over time you just develop uh, instincts with other people and and it becomes a little more automatic. Hmm. Yeah. Or yeah, you find the right people that you communicate well with, and then it's more automatic. Like, I'm sure that person that answered your get question uh, has people that talk, he talks to about like like a robot, and it's fine. <laughs> and they're not offended because they don't care that that their logic does not compute or whatever when someone <laughs> says that to them. Because they have no feelings. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. I feel like 
That's all I'm going to say. Never mind. No more words. Communication is heavy, though, and it's hard. And it's mm-hmm. loaded with overhead activities like this. You know, mm-hmm. exchanging... It's like a gigantic TCP handshake where you have to exchange some state before you can actually begin transmitting any real information. Ooh, you know? that's a good analogy. Except it's like way that. heavier. It's like <laughs> it's like 80% overhead. <laughs> you know? It's like not only are you... Tr- handshaking tcp you're also dumping your entire database <laughs> across the wire before you can say and now yeah. i want to do a query <laughs> huh um so all you have to do is write a more efficient protocol that's right which includes i think the blockchain will solve oh, communication yeah. Absol- problems absolutely right? <laughs> yeah okay just it's just a matter of proof time. of work and then it'll be fine have we answered the question absolutely Jay, yep, we definitely communicated about it. We did. We in fact, <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> the only question he was asking was, is this what mansplaining is? And we never answered a yes or no question. <laughs> uh, dang. Yeah, yeah, that was the only question mark in the whole question. Shoot. We oh, wow, this we Listen, just got trolled. That was all the detail you needed. We're out of time. <laughs> Hopefully about 15 <laughs> minutes ago, you ninja vanished and reappeared right now. <laughs> and the answer is, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> uh, it does sound tricky, but I'm, I believe in you, Jay. That's mm-hmm. the letter that my name starts with. So we have a connection. <laughs> and I'm using that connection to feel that you're capable of solving this problem. Good job. Dave. Yes. What should people do now that they are done listening to this episode? Uh, let your podcast app delete it and move on with your life. That's what I would say. <laughs> okay. Don't let this thing take up too much storage on your phone because that's a pain. Just delete it and move on. Okay. Any, and, anything and else al- they should do? Also, <laughs> after you've done that, if you would like to ask your own question, you can go hit our, our website, softskills.audio, where you can write a question with as much or little detail as you want, um, and we will answer it on the show at some mm-hmm. point in the mysterious future. Yep. Yeah, thank you again for sending in questions. We love reading them. We love answering them. We love not answering them <laughs> and then remembering we didn't answer them. <laughs> <laughs> We've also gotten many very complimentary and uh, touching tweets. We appreciate that. Also, some people have gone to iTunes or even in your little podcast app on iPhone, and I guess Android has this, and, and submitted nice reviews. Uh, we have a five-star iTunes rating, which I've never had five-star anything in my life. So that's great. If you'd like to submit a one-star rating, I mean, that's fine, too. <laughs> if you want to crush our streak of superlatives, yeah, we will accept your feedback. That's right. Um, so go do that. I, I guess that helps us in some way. Um, people say it does, so it must. All the NPR podcasts say that it helps. Listen to how happy Dave sounds. Yeah. And tell me it doesn't help him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what it does either. It's cargo cult. We're cargo cult podcasters, basically. (laughs) That's true. All right. Thanks very much. Catch you next week.